Well, hello, Love everyone. Welcome to Best Design. And there we go with that absolutely fabulous introduction. Uh, this is the Success Design, as I just said. And my name is Beth Shankel Anderson, and I'm the host. And I apologize for not being on the air these past two months. I have been so busy with so many different projects that I haven't had had enough time to, to really schedule my interviews and, and, and really uh, – uh, dive uh, into uh, learning about some of the people that I have scheduled. So be sure to um, tune in in the next few months. I've got some really great guests scheduled. I'm not going to let let it out who they might be, but it's really, really great. And I have a tremendous guest uh, with me today. I have um, been trying to schedule him on my show for a while. He is quite busy. Um, he's an ultramarathoner. He's a doctor. And he is my guest for the next 30 minutes. So, Dr. Adam Cassidy, welcome to the Success Design. Well, thanks, Beth. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know that your schedule is very busy, and I know that you um, take time out of your day for your daily runs and everything like that. So we really appreciate your sharing some of your uh, your expertise with, with, with running and, and what you did this past summer, um, hiking, not just hiking, but running, the Appalachian Trail. So um, why don't you uh, start with, with just a little summary of, um, of yourself and, and your, uh, your, your calling to, to, run these, to run these ultra marathons and uh, let us know a little bit about your journey on the Appalachian Trail. Well, uh, I don't like talking about myself, but uh, we'll give it a try here. Um, I'm 31 years old and I live in Beverly, West Virginia, and I am an optometrist in a in a small uh, rural clinic in the town of Mill Creek. And trail running and ultra running have been a huge part of my life over the past 10 years. It's just who I am and what I do. And um, really, the idea to run the Appalachian Trail kind of popped into my head probably somewhere around two years ago, and I shared that with my wife, Kadra, and I was pretty amazed that she didn't think I was a nutcase by suggesting such an audacious thing to drop our lives, have her crew me for two months, and <laughs> run uh, you know, 30-some miles a day until I'm done. Um, so right. she, didn't balk, she didn't balk at that idea, which was was pretty tremendous. Even though I've I've put her through many other crazy adventures, like uh, I ran a hundred mile or two weeks after we got married, and she crewed me at that, and um, she's crewed me on several other trails and my, several other hundred milers, and you know she she's been with me through thick and thin. Um, so I shouldn't have been surprised, but. Um, Anyways, I mean, it was just always a dream of mine to to do the Appalachian Trail growing up in the Appalachian Mountains and um, loving doing long trails and um, just trail running in general and just loving being out in nature. It was kind of the logical thing, and to me it was the ultimate adventure, and I'm just glad that I had the opportunity to do it. So hopefully that's a Absolutely. decent synopsis. Yeah, well, um, having a, a spouse that supports you is probably one of the most valuable things I would I would think with 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 such a um, with such a um, with well as you said an, an audacious um, endeavor. Yeah. Um, and 
2,100 miles, I mean, you must have felt every one of those miles. Um, because well, there I, were, I there were some good days. I was going to ask you, um, what end of the trail did you start? Well, I started at Springer Mountain, Georgia, um, which is okay. the southern terminus, obviously, and uh, went north to Mount Katahdin in Maine. Uh, and, and, yeah, the trail distance this year was 2,181 miles. You can, definitely can't discount those last 81 miles in Maine. Maine, <laughs> Maine is a very rugged state. But, uh, yeah, started, right, started that in Georgia. Right, Mount Washington? Oh, okay. It's you farther, farther north than Mount Washington, where, where Katahdin is. It's But, yeah, the trail crosses Mount Washington as well. And it's supposed to have very unpredictable weather, from what I understand. So, did yeah. you encounter any kind of maybe you know the wind or the the snow or or, or any of that type of weather on Mount Washington? No. When when I went through there, I think it was I think it was July third or fifth or so, somewhere close to the fourth, either before or after. I, I'm a little foggy on that. But the biggest obstacle for me were it was people. <laughs> Oddly enough, I had a bluebird day. It was a great day to to go up up through the presidentials, and um, yeah, there were just people everywhere, which is so absurd. You you see pe- no one in many of the sections. Then a, a very popular place like Mount Washington it was just very crowded. But the day before Mount Washington, it was really nasty and cold and rainy, and I got the typical Mount Washington weather um, when I when I was a little bit uh, further south in the whites. So, yeah, I was pretty I was pretty lucky. Oh, that sounds that sounds lucky. I have uh, I've heard that it can be fairly unpredictable there. Yeah, okay. it's it's definitely some rugged terrain. So, uh, what was your favorite section of the trail? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed Virginia. Um, because mainly it's the closest to home. Uh, I had a lot of friends there, so that was really one of my favorite sections, and it's far more runnable than some of the northern sections. But the most beautiful state was undoubtedly Maine, but it also Mm -hmm. was the most rugged and slow and and difficult state. Uh, It's just extremely wet and rocky and rooty, and um, there's some pretty big mountains there too. Now, there are all kinds of sort of um, folklore with the um, with the trail, and one of the things I've heard is that you can earn a trail nickname. And I don't know if you earned one or maybe you heard of someone earning one. I did. One. Yeah. You did. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's kind of an interesting story. Everybody, not not everybody. I mean, a lot of people don't take trail names, but it's part of the whole culture of the trail in theory, to kind of leave behind who you are in the real world, per se, and take on this trail name. So most people take a trail name, or they they either give themselves one, or someone gives it to them. So I kind of thought in the beginning, if I get a trail name, fine. If I don't, fine. You know, because I didn't want to just give myself a name. So in the Smokies, which is pretty early on in the trail, you know, you, you go through Georgia and then into North Carolina and then into Tennessee for a bit. You're on the North Carolina-Tennessee border for quite a while. And yeah, in the Smokies, 
What's that? That's where I'm from. Oh, really? I'm from East Tennessee. Uh-huh. Oh, beautiful area. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. I love East Tennessee. Um, but I was in the Smokies, and um, the Smokies are very remote, especially the way I did the trail, because I would run road crossing to road crossing and with a very small pack that would just had um, – my fueling for the day so just enough water just enough food to make it so my first day in the smokies was 43 miles from fontana dam to um, newfound gap and i was not going to see my wife all day and 43 miles with you know everything you have on your back that's, that's a lot of miles no matter how you cut it and uh while i was out there i came across a couple gobblers it was early it was early May then, so they were still gobbling. And being an old redneck from West Virginia, I had to do a turkey call. And I got three gobble, three gobblers to gobble in one day. And uh, mm-hmm. up, up close and personal, I saw them, and they did not spook, and I got them to gobble. So I told one of my friends that that had through-hiked, and he said, well, there's your trail name, Gobbler. So it stuck. I said, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I, I'll buy that. So I was gobbler for you know, the next uh, 2,000 miles. Right, right. Well, that's a really um, really personal way to obtain a nickname. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't and, know that the nickname yeah. is going to stick for the rest of my life. You know, I don't want my kids someday <laughs> to call me gobbler, but uh, it was good <laughs> for the AT. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um what about any, were there any, like, random acts of kindness along the trail? I know some people might leave food or um, little things like that. It's supposed that some of the folklore of the trail is mm-hmm. people just being really nice. Yeah, it's, it, it is unreal. It's called, in, on the trail, it's called trail magic. And oh. I think almost all hikers experience some type of trail magic. It may be something as simple as a cooler out in the middle of nowhere that says, take a drink and there's, you know, a whole bunch of Cokes and, you know, or, you know, I, I came across several coolers like that or in Southwest Virginia, I came upon a hiker feed. These people were out there for like two days just cooking up like hamburgers and hot dogs and all this food just to feed hikers. And there would be signs wow. on trees for, you know, saying when you get to such and such road, look for the hiker feed and, you know, that happened all over the place on the trail. Um, it was more prevalent in the south, and, and that may have been partly because I was kind of on track with the the normal thru-hiker um, traffic then. But as I kept going farther north, I got too far ahead of the other northbounders probably to get, like, as authentic of an experience. But uh, there, were, there was definitely... Um, there was there was much trail magic all across the trail. Just like meeting uh, different people that were friends of friends that opened up their house to us. You know th- that was unreal to me too. That's not your traditional trail magic, but just seeing how small the world truly is and how good the majority of the world truly is. It's just it was, it was very inspiring. <coughs> When you mentioned, um, of course, the gobblers and how you re- obtained your nickname, um, did you see any other interesting wildlife while you were on the trail? I'm oh, sure you saw probably tons. Tons, yeah. I mean, every day was something different. You know, th- there were some days where I'd be bummed out. You know, I didn't see anything. But most days, 
Uh, you know, every I probably saw 30 bears the the whole trip. Um, lots of deer, um, a couple rattlesnakes, a couple copperheads. Uh, you know, that was the most interesting stuff. But the most interesting story that I have as far as wildlife was the day that I got on the long trail, which is as soon as you cross into Vermont, that's, you get on the long trail, which the AT uses the long trail, which is, I believe, the nation's oldest long trail. And a long trail is just the name that you call any um, long hiking trail, you know, anything you know, above probably like 100 miles. You would call it a, a long trail or something that traverses a state. So, but the long trail is a very famous trail that, that traverses Vermont north to south, and the AT covers about 100 miles of it. So the story goes like this. It's pouring down the rain. I'm climbing this mountain. I just got on the long trail, and I have my visor pulled way down so that it's just just covering my eyes and keeping the the uh all the wind and and rain off of my face and i'm just running along just kind of slogging kind of miserable and i'm not really paying much attention just kind of putting in the miles and all of a sudden like five feet in front of me i see these legs and i look up and there's a moose standing right in front of me i'd never, oh seen, a moose. I'd never seen a moose before i'd seen zero moose sign no scat, nothing. So, I mean, it scared me to death. So I, I kind of shouted at it, at it, trying to get it to move And as I was hiding behind a tree because moose can actually be very dangerous. They have poor mm-hmm. eyesight. Uh, so if you startle them or you get too close, they're very prone to charging. And uh, I knew that. So I, I feared moose far more than bear. So I knew I was in a bit of a sticky situation, and long story short, I kind of uh, tried to bushwhack around it a couple times, and after a nice little dancing session with this moose, I did finally get around it. But after that, I saw tons of moose scat. You know, so every day I kept looking for a moose, and I didn't see another one until I was probably like two days from finishing in Maine. So that was interesting, but... Yeah, the moose was definitely the the, mo- the closest and most interesting encounter with wildlife on the trail. Wow, <laughs> that was quite an encounter. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I think I would have climbed the tree. <laughs> well, there was nothing to climb, just a bunch of little spruce trees. So, Oh, okay. I was ducking for cover. That is one of the most interesting stories I think I've heard on this radio show. Oh, <laughs> Is is encountering a moose and 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 what you had to do to to get away from it? But I can't imagine looking up and seeing this with their huge horn type steer. Yeah, this one thing. was a cow. This one was a female. It didn't have horns, but it was uh, it was huge though. I mean, it, the, its back was well above my head, and it wasn't even a full grown moose. So they're oh. they're huge. They're massive animals. Massive. But they, it was really cool, you know. Growing up in West Virginia, you, you don't see moose. So that was, it was unreal to be five feet from one, and it just kind of stared at me kind of like how a cow would. It was quite interesting. <laughs> he was probably just as interested in you as you were. Probably in. so. It's like, what are you doing, you <laughs> idiot? It's raining. Why are you out here? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Well, how about how much mileage did you did you do every day? Did you have? I know you had a, a very. Um, I saw your plan before you left, and you had a very strict plan. Were you able to keep up with it? Yeah, um, for the most part. My goal was to finish in around seventy days, and I ended up finishing. Um, on the 72nd day, so 71 days and change. Oh. Uh, so, you know, that was pretty good. I mean, I was ahead of that schedule for a while, um, mm-hmm. but really I was confined or by how many times the trail crossed a road because that was my, which I guess I should explain to the listeners, you know, traditional thru-hiker carries all, everything that they need in a backpack, but... I, being not a hiker or a runner, had to um, do things a bit differently. So, like I said before, my wife met me at road crossings, and I carried just minimal things, just food and water, you know, nothing to spend the night on the trail. And then we would camp along the, the road or um, wherever we could stay. You know, we we had to beg and plead to stay in people's fields even in, in some spots. So... Uh, Anyways, um, there mm-hmm. many days I, I did more miles than I wanted, and many days I did less miles than I wanted because of how the road crossings fell. So um, I, in the end, I believe I averaged around 32 miles a day, um, and mm-hmm. that's that's um, taking out the two and a half rest days. But if you add that in, it's around 31 miles a day. I I did have an injury in uh, Pennsylvania, and I had to take a few days off. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you if you if you had sustained any injuries because, you know, you're not running all the time on smooth surface. Oh no, it's never but, smooth. There, there's never any smooth surface on the on the trail. There's never any smooth. Surface. Yeah, what what my injury was is it was just an overuse injury, but it turned into a big deal. I got really bad tendonitis in my left shin. Kind of, I guess, you know, you could call it a shin splint, but it wasn't a shin splint in the truest of sense. It was uh, that tibialis anterior muscle just was basically fried and all swollen, and I really could hardly walk. Um, so mm-hmm. the only thought was, well, I need to rest it. So I'd, we holed up in a hotel for two days, which was quite miserable, and I really wanted to be back on the trail and um, it didn't do much good taking the rest, so I just had to deal with the pain for about two weeks after that, and it finally burned itself out, thankfully. But that definitely could have been a deal breaker because it was very painful and quite debilitating. So thank goodness it wasn't. I can, I can only imagine. Um, when I started running, and I don't run anywhere near what you run, and I certainly don't run a marathon every day, which is essentially what you were doing. Um, I, I had hurt my knees because I had been doing too much on them. Right. And the pain was so, you know, it was just really, really, really painful. Yeah. And I, I finally just had to rest them for almost a month before I really felt comfortable running again. So I can't imagine, you know, only having the two days. Um, sometimes, you know, with the overuse and the stress injuries, sure. it just takes. Just you know, your body just really wants time to rest. So. Yeah, and that's the thing with something like this. I knew this was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so it's not like um, failure was an option. You know, if right. if I would have been in, in living real life, if I had this injury, I would have taken a couple weeks off. Mm-hmm. But that was not an option because, you know, I consistently thought 
I will regret this my whole life if I quit. So mm-hmm. it was really do or die at that point. It was either keep running on it and it blow up and I injure myself or, um, you know, keep pushing and see what happens. So, you know, I decided when I started that there were there were just a couple injuries that that I would quit. You know, anything that threatened my long-term health, anything mm-hmm. that uh, would keep me from running the rest of my life, um, mm-hmm. those are really the only two things. And I decided, you know, I'm going to run through almost anything that a normal person wouldn't because it was very important for me to be successful. Um, so, you know, it's not the most logical thing. I'm certainly not advocating people running through serious injuries, but this is a different case. You know, I, it's once in a lifetime. Uh, you do what you got to do to finish. Sure, sure. And, and being an ultra marathon, I was going to ask you how the the Appalachian Trail compared to other ultra marathons that you that you had ran. Oh, the the AT is way harder. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> yeah. there are no easy miles. I it's nice. Oh, it's way I harder. I give you a chance to. Uh, I thought I'd give you a chance to brag. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about bragging. It's just. You know, it's it's way harder because every day there's way more climbing and descending, and it's just so rough. And um, there's harder ultra marathons out there for sure, but when you stack up any of these days that I did on the trail compared to your run of the mill ultra, um, it, your your normal ultra would pale in comparison to to any of these days. It's just much harder terrain. Have you um, ever considered doing maybe another, like the Continental Divide Trail, or, or maybe another um, trail? Or was it was the Appalachian Trail sort of your your holy grail? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really it, it was a no brainer. And I, I mean, the Pacific Crest Trail is probably a trail that's more agreeable to a runner. It's um, mm-hmm. you know you, you have large mountains, um, lots of climbing, and lots of snow and. Um, stuff like that, but for the most part, it's a smoother trail than the, than the AT. Um, it's also longer and it's much more remote. So as far as crewing, um, but it's also all the way out there on the left coast. So I don't know anyone there. So I didn't really consider doing the PCT. You know, I, I'm a West Virginia boy, born and raised, and you know these are my mountains. So it was mm-hmm. a no-brainer to to do the Appalachian Trail. But I would love to do another long trail. It's just um, life gets complicated. It's hard to find the time to uh, take away that much time from a job, which you have a full-time job as an optometrist. Um, It's pretty tough to take that time away to to do such a truly selfish thing when you boil it down. But I would love to do the Pacific Crest Trail. That's um, I actually joked with my wife on the way home. We were leaving Maine, and I said, hey, why don't we just uh, drive up to the Canadian border in Washington and start the PCT? She looked at me <laughs> kind of crazy for just one second, and she was like, okay. But we both knew we couldn't. Um, but in a perfect world, if if uh, I had the time and, you know, someone else was paying the bill, I would have done it. You know, I, we had everything. She She joked. She said, well, we have everything we need. Let's just go. Um, but uh, someday, I hope, but uh, I don't know. I'm just, for now, I'm just glad that I had the opportunity to do this one. I don't want to be greedy, but I would love to have more um, great adventures like this. 
And you've lived to run another day despite your injury, which is um, which is a, a blessing, definitely. Absolutely. That um, um, you didn't, you know, sustain anything like a, you know, a, a snapped ACL or something like that. Oh, that of all the times that I fell, it's amazing that I didn't get hurt. Um, you know, I, I there I dodged so many injuries. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's un, it's unreal. I mean, you you have to be lucky to a certain extent, to be successful in something like this. Because when you consider the millions of footsteps, you know, each one of those could have been a turned ankle or some other overuse mm-hmm. injury. Um, you know, you fall and you you, you break you, your bone in your leg. Or, you know, there, there's the list goes on. A snake bite, you know. I could have been bitten by a rattlesnake, you know. That's true. So, Did yeah, we were definitely uh, blessed. Did you carry venom with you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they probably have different things on the trail to to, to deal with um, with injuries or bites or things like that. But yeah, that's true. Um, one thing about outdoor running and stuff is you have to worry about snakes and spiders and all those awful things. And I don't. Yeah, but I don't worry about that kind of stuff. You don't. You that's don't need true. to worry you're, too you're much. Well, this is what I always tell people. People always say, aren't you afraid of bears? Aren't you afraid of rattlesnakes? I say, how many people do you know that have been killed by a black bear? How many people do you know that have been bitten by a rattlesnake? You know, and then they say, you know, I don't know any. Uh, You know, we should probably have a lot more fear getting into our car each morning. So, you know, it's really an unfounded fear. It's it's a real thing to worry about. I mean, if you're crazy about, you know, if you're sticking your arm in a rattlesnake den, you'll probably get bitten. But just just out hiking or walking, that should not be one of your greatest fears. You know, most you need to fear the two-legged variety of animals more than any of the four-legged or snakes. <laughs> That's very very true. Yeah. And you shouldn't let. Um, I absolutely admire you for saying that because you shouldn't let these these fairly unfounded, maybe you know, far-fetched. I would say fears yeah. prevent you from doing something that you did, which is which is truly incredible. And um, I'd like to thank you for sharing um, for sharing everything with us um, today. I know a lot of people were interested in joining into the show who are. You know, just sort of uh, runners on the weekend themselves, or, right. or you know, people that um, that you know have thought about going further, maybe in running that marathon, or or, or even further. <laughs> and uh, I know a lot of people were interested in in, in hearing you and, and your story. So um, we have about three minutes left on the show. If there's anything you'd like to sort of wrap up, or maybe a summation of your uh, your experience that you'd like to share with the uh, us amateur runners out there. Well, <clears throat> it's kind of a hard thing to sum up. <laughs> I'm not not always the best person with uh, grand words, but uh, you know, really, just to, to I guess to sum it up is, you know, if there's not not even just talking about running, but if there's anything in life that you feel like you want to do, I would urge people to not put it off. You know, if you say. Um, you know, I, I want to skydive. Well, make it a priority. Or, you know, not that I'm advocating that, but I know running because that's what I am. That's who I am and that's what I do. You know, if you say, I'd like to run a marathon, well, do it. You know, you can do so much more than you think you can. If you want something bad enough and you can prioritize your life, you can make it happen. So, 
you know, that that's really what I want people to um, take out of my adventure is that we need adventure in our lives. We are geared towards um, needing something exciting to do. That's how I feel. And, um, you know, so many times our lives are taken up by just mundane, mundane tasks, um, so much work, so much busyness that we lose sight and lose track of these dreams and adventures that um, really make us who we are. So, you know, I'm just grateful that I've had the opportunity to live out one of my adventures, but I, I really have a passion for encouraging other people to strive to <clears throat> achieve things in life that they want to do, no matter what that may be. We're all different. That's what makes the world go round. But, um, you know, you, you got to keep striving for these dreams. You know, that's what life's all about. And that's exactly what it's all about. Is, um, it's about... Um, is about the success design and designing your own life according to what you believe your own successes are. So, yeah. Adam, I'd like to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us um, for these uh, for these 30 minutes today. I really uh, appreciate your time. You've been a wonderful guest, and I've learned so much about running, um, and I'm, I'm really excited that we could share this with my listeners. Well, great. Well, thanks for so, having me, Beth. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Adam, and um, thank you. And I will go ahead and wrap up the show by saying that this is Beth Shankle Anderson for the Success Design, signing off.